This is Dr. Knut Heim in his teaching on the book of Proverbs. This is session number 14, Proverbs chapters 22 through 24, and Amenemope. Welcome to lesson 14 on the biblical book of Proverbs. In the previous lecture, we have been looking at the international dimension of um, so-called wisdom literature as, as a whole, uh, and then have problematized the very term wisdom literature as such, both in its application to ancient and Eastern texts from Mesopotamia and Egypt, but also even for the biblical literature itself. And uh, I myself have not come to a new way of referring to these uh, books yet, but I'm inclining towards uh, perhaps a less defined way of speaking and more saying this is a specific kind of poetic literature that is really interested in um, intellectual, cognitive integration of theology into human life, something like that. Uh, in this particular lecture now, uh, I want to focus uh, more specific on a very prominent, very exciting parallel uh, that I've already mentioned um, in the previous lecture between the Egyptian text, uh, the teachings of Amenemope, and uh, the one of the collections in the biblical book of Proverbs, namely collection number three, which is chapters 20 to uh, 17 to halfway through uh, chapter uh, 24. And uh, in order to uh, explain what is at issue, what I will do is to get us into, uh, help us to gain a sense of what's at stake, is I'm going to read an opening section uh, from uh, Bruce Waltke's commentary, which I will then comment on and reflect and to a degree also critique in the next few minutes. So here we go. The structural evidence, Waltke writes, of the Egyptian instruction of Aminemope from around 1186 to 1069 B.C., confirms the internal evidence, which he has discovered, uh, discussed elsewhere, uh, that the 30 sayings of the wise, in Proverbs that is, is a distinct anthology of wisdom sayings. Most scholars believe that the 30 sayings of the wise shows a creative use of Aminimope. The structural model for this collection do I not write for you 30 sayings derived from the last chapter of Aminomope, section 27, uh, line 6? Quote, look to these 30 chapters, end quote. In Egypt, and we should probably assume the same about this collection, the holy number 30 symbolizes a complete and perfect teaching. But its material dependence on Aminemope extends only for the first 11 sayings. This is 
um, uh, Waltke says, 2216 to 2311. Uh, that's a typing error. It should, of course, be uh, 2217 to 2311. The next saying introduced by the educational saying at 2312 that separates it and the next unit of the 30 sayings is more common to the Aramaic writing from Mesopotamia, uh, Achika. The saying against dead surety finds thematic analogy in the Aramaic and Akkadian wisdom tradition, but not in the Egyptian. The lampooning saying against drunkenness in 23, 29 to 35 descends from the Egyptian tradition, but not specifically from Aminimope. So much about um, <clears throat> uh, Waltke's brief introduction to the wider discussion that he has um, on the similarities of the material in Collection 3 that we are now going to focus on um, with the book of Aminimope. Now, in the remainder of this lecture, I am going to do two things. One, I am going to look at the introductory verses in the text of Proverbs and the way that um, Bruce Waltke and many others have translated one particular word in this opening section. And I'm going to critique and evaluate this translation. And then secondly, I am going to turn to one particularly prominent uh, similarity between the book of Proverbs on the one hand and Aminumope in the on the other. And we're going to uh, compare line for line what the similarities and what the differences are and then draw some further conclusions from that uh, for the international dimension of this fascinating book of Proverbs. So here we go. Uh, I'm going to now uh, read the opening verses from the new revised standard version of uh, Collection 3. So that is chapters 22, verses 17 to 20. The words of the wise. Incline your ear and hear my words, and apply your mind to my teaching. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have made them known to you today, yes, to thee, to you. And then verse 20. Have I not written for you thirty sayings of admonitions and knowledge to show you what is right and true? so that you may give a true answer to those who sent you. And then the actual teaching begins with an opening admonition. In verse 22 it says, Do not rob the poor, because they are poor, and so on. Now, what is fascinating here is the translation um, in verse 20, where... Um, the New Revised Standard Version uh, mentions 30 sayings. And um, as we have already heard from Waltke, um, 
he believes that these are 30 sayings, even though only uh, the first 11 verses of the whole collection, which is uh, quite a bit longer moving into chapter 24, um, comprises 30 sayings, just as uh, the teaching of Amine Mope has 30 short mini-chapters, uh, which are clearly um, mentioned at the end of the book of Amine, uh, the instruction of Amine Mope. However, if we actually look at the Hebrew um, original of um, the book of uh, Proverbs, and I'm just, now, aha, here we are. So this is my um, uh, fascicle of the Biblia Hebraica Stuttgartensia. Uh, there's now a new version, the Biblia Hebraica um, Quinta, BHQ. Uh, but uh, the details, of course, textual details are the same. And um, when we look at chapter 22, verse 20, we find uh, that verse 20 has an unusual punctuation of the vowel points, um, and that is because um, the uh, Hebrew scribes have recorded for us both a ketiv and a kere um, version of how this particular word, translated 30 by Waltke, and also the New Rise Standard Version, an increasing number of other biblical translations, uh, gives us. The uh, particular word in uh, verse 20 is um, uh, in the ketiv, that is what is written, should probably be pronounced shilshom. Just going to read this uh, specifically from how uh, Bruce Waltke uh, describes it. So in the written form of the consonants, uh, this word, translated 30, uh, should either uh, be uh, uh, should be translate uh, uh, pronounced shilshom, and then means former, i.e., I have written to you ancient uh, sayings or ancient things, or with the kire reading. This is a suggestion for um, an alternative way of interpreting the actual consonant um, letters that are written there, it should be uh, pronounced shalishim and then probably be translated as noble sayings. So in the Hebrew original, the people who actually read this and copied it noticed that there is a certain ambiguity of what this word means. Uh, there is a sequence of letters, uh, shin, a lamet, and another shin, um, shil, shom, shalishim, shaloshim, or whatever, and how would we pronounce it? And there are two suggested ways of doing this, and they have slightly different meanings. 
We then get to the Septuagint translation um, of this same verse, and the Greek translation, uh, the people who produced this Greek translation also noted and were not quite sure that there is something unusual about this word. And they did neither read it as Shilshom nor as Shalishim, but probably as Shalosh, uh, meaning three. And so the Greek translation has the word trisos, uh, which just means three. So the Greek text says something like, have I not written to you three things? Uh, probably referring to three parts um, of this collection. That, it appears to be, is what the Greek translators did with this. So what we have, in fact, is a, an unusual word, uh, which even the ancient uh, first original readers of the text um, were not sure exactly what does this mean. It is a certain kind of saying uh, or, or, or group of sayings or whatever that are being, um, we are being introduced to here but we're not sure exactly what that particular word means. Interestingly, in the Egyptian text that has at least 11 verses or so that are similar to, I mean, uh, to, to the book in Proverbs, that consists of 30 sayings, 330. And so what has now happened indeed, um, and Bruce Waltke is not the first one to suggest this, um, but he uh, also included, for example, um, uh, Michael Fox has the same, and many other biblical commentators, and now increasingly also biblical translations, are now saying, well, surely this word should be um, kind of re slightly amended, slightly changed, and then it should be read, uh, reading something like Shaloshim, which means 30. In um, parallel with its partial source text from Amenemope. And what we have fascinatingly in uh, the New Revised Standard Version is that this translation, 30 sayings, is mentioned here. But there is not even a footnote or marginal note in the New Revised Standard Version to say that this translation is based on a comparison with an Egyptian text um, and is um, a kind of a creative emendation rather than a reflection of what the Hebrew actually said, whatever it was saying, which we're not sure what it is. The other interesting thing, particularly with regard to Bruce Waltke's commentary, is that he actually divides the material in Collection 3, and not just the first 11 verses until 23.11 or, uh, and, and so on, uh, into uh, several smaller sections of two, three, sometimes four verses, which he then calls saying one, saying two, saying three and uh, counting, of course, all the way up to saying 30. Now, I have to say I'm not convinced. Um, there is too much um, guesswork involved. Um, how do we divide these up? Uh, there can be at least four or five different ways of dividing up the various verses into groupings. Uh, it seems to me that uh, Waltke, in his um, 
strong conviction that really we have 30 sayings here, felt compelled to do this, but I don't think it is easily done and certainly not as convincing as he makes it out to be in his commentary. Now, the reason why I've spent some time on this is uh, just to help us see in this lecture uh, how influential the international dimension of the book of Proverbs can even be on the way in which our Bibles are translated. Now, um, to be honest, there is not much gained or much lost whether we say these are uh, ancient sayings or noble sayings or 30 sayings. They are really good sayings, whichever way you translate it. Uh, there's nothing theologically at stake. Uh, there's no danger. There's no conspiracy or anything like this. Uh, but uh, I hope you can glatch, uh, uh, catch a glimpse of the fascination that comes with trying to engage with these texts in their wider intellectual milieu. I now want to turn to another example of this, uh, here uh, mainly based on my own work uh, in uh, the book on poetic imagination in Proverbs. And um, I hope I can find a section. Yep. Um, what I want to uh, focus on in particular is uh, one of the sayings or verses that is repeated in Proverbs from the book of Amenemope. And in particular, this is chapter 22, verse 28, and I'm going to read that. It's something I mentioned already uh, several times in an earlier lecture when we looked at prosperity teaching in the book of Proverbs. In uh, verse 28 reads, Do not remove the ancient landmark that your ancestors set up. Now the reason why I include this proverb in my discussion of variant repetitions uh, in the book of Proverbs is because, in fact, um, again, as I mentioned a few lectures ago, um, there is actually another version, not far away at all, in the same collection, three, of this very same proverb. Let me read that one to you. This one now is in chapter 23, verse 10. So near the end of that section of verses that um, Waltke has helped us to see um, is largely in common with Aminumope. So 23, verse 10 reads, Do not remove an ancient landmark or encroach on the fields of orphans. And then verse 11, For the Redeemer, this is God, is strong. Let me just repeat those verses again. Do not remove the ancient landmark that your ancestors set up, 22-28, and do not remove an ancient landmark or encroach on the fields of orphans, 23-10. So um, we have an unusual repetition of one and the same thing in very close proximity, just uh, 12 verses apart in the book of Proverbs. And then we also have the fact, as I will show in a moment, that something very similar is being said, uh, and I will quote that in a few minutes, in the book of Amenemope. Um, 
So we have kind of a double type repetition, variant repetition going on here. I'm now going to read a section uh, from my book on these two verses, particularly focusing on the context. Proverbs 22:28 and 23:10 belong to the same collection, collection 3, namely 22:17 to 24:22. Variant variant repetition with one within one and the same collection we have and I have observed elsewhere in my book, uh, but nonetheless, uh, here, the conclusion is inevitable that variant repetition in Proverbs is a conscious, ubiquitous editorial strategy and does not happen by accident. Everybody would have noticed within just 12 verses that they're saying the same thing again or something similar. The collection consists of only 70 verses altogether, And there are only 10 verses between the two variants. Furthermore, there are other repetitions in this same collection in which the two variants are close together, namely uh, Proverbs 23.3 and Proverbs 23.6, just three verses apart. The editor who shaped this collection knew that he was repeating material within close range. Clearly, the dominant contextual references for the two verses are their respective variant counterparts, creating a frame around the enclosed material. Proverbs 23.10 is connected to Proverbs 23.11 via a causal particle, for or because, that introduces the motivation for the prohibition Namely, God will look after the people you're trying to harm. There are several statements in the Egyptian instruction of Aminemope that are similar to the two verses in Proverbs under consideration here. The section in Aminemope that has the material related to our variant set is in uh, that chapter 6. It begins in line 11 of plate 7 and runs through plate 9, line 8, and contains 36 lines in all. I will now cite those lines that are closest to the Proverbs material. This is now a translation from the Egyptian text. Do not move the markers on the borders of fields, nor shift the position of the measuring cord. Do not be greedy for a cubit of land, nor encroach on the boundaries of a widow. The trodden furrow worn down by time And here the text is a little bit interrupted. We are not entirely sure how to translate this. He who disguises it in the fields, he will be caught. And then again, beware of destroying the borders of fields, lest a terror carry you away. One pleases God with the might of the Lord when one discerns, probably meaning respects, the borders of fields. Do not erase another's furrow, 
its profits, it profits you to keep it sound. So here's an expanded elaboration uh, and encouragement to the readers to respect the uh, property and the land borders of their neighbors or competitors. The strongest points of contacts are with uh, lines 12 and 15 on plate 7, with parallels regarding the verb do not move, as well as the mention of boundary markers. Um, uh, the mention of family members, namely orphans and a widow in Amenemope, and widows and orphans um, in, uh, in the biblical texts. Widows and orphans are often mentioned together in biblical and extra-biblical texts of the ancient Near East, and the idea of encroachment is also um, a frequent one. The detail of landmarkers being ancient, uh, reflected both in 22.28 and in 23.10 of Proverbs, may be reflected in the furrows of Amenemope being worn down by time. Um, finally, a theological motivation for refraining from grabbing land from the vulnerable in society is also present in both texts. In 23.11, the text says, for their Redeemer, namely the Lord, is strong. And Aminimope says, uh, one pleases God with the might of the Lord when one respects the borders of fields. So the relevant sections are not identical, but the similarities are so striking that coincidence surely must be ruled out. So not only is their material repeated, but as we have seen in chapter 6 of Amenemope, there are in fact um, at least three, possibly four, repeated statements to not encroach on fields. Let me just read those four again. Do not move the markers on the borders of fields, nor encroach on the boundaries of a widow. Beware of destroying the borders of fields. When one discerns the borders of fields. So there are four repetitions of um, encouragements not to infringe neighbors' property rights. In parallel with the repetition of this also in the same section that is repeating materials in Proverbs. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is that not only is Proverbs repeating Aminimope, but Proverbs is repeating Aminimope repeating the material. So there are repeatings here, repeatings here, and these repeatings are repeatings of repeatings here. You get the idea. Surely, this cannot be a coincidence. So I want to now close with some further considerations based on this evidence. Clearly, the two works, Aminimope and Proverbs, are related. But equally evident is the fact that Proverbs does not simply copy Aminimope. Proverbs uses its Egyptian source material in Aminimope creatively to craft new variants, just as it has done from source materials within the book of Proverbs itself. Therefore, the parallels between Aminimope and Proverbs should not be overdrawn. 
While the emendation of the word Shilshom, formerly in the Ketiv reading, and Shalishim, noble things, in the Kirayat reading, to uh, Shiloshim, 30, is supported by most, uh, although Norman Weiber in his commentary is an exception, it is harder for scholars to agree on identifying the delimitation of the actual 30 units. Mention should also be made of the fact that the instruction of Aminimoti itself contains two sets of variant of verbatim repetition. Murphy thought that there is no explanation for the repetition of Proverbs 22.28 in Proverbs 23.10. But my um, observations with regard to the similarity with Aminimope um, suggest, indeed, I think, an explanation that makes sense. Namely, the editor followed his Egyptian um, Vorlage or, or, or source text and also included several statements creatively adapted from Aminimope on the important topic of respect for other people's property. And uh, the editor of the Book of Proverbs did this because the author of the instructions of Aminimope did it. But both of them, of course, did it because they felt that to help people to see the importance of respecting other people's property was absolutely essential and important for the well-being of their societies. That brings us now to the close of this lecture. This is Dr. Knut Heim in his teaching on the book of Proverbs. This is session number 14, Proverbs chapters 22 through 24, and Amenemope. Mm-hmm.